Welcome to GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast series. In Australia, a competitive market for biosimilar medicines is expected to contribute to the sustainability of the PBS, supporting the future reimbursement of new life-changing, innovative medicines for Australian patients. In this, the fifth episode in a series of 12 podcasts, Professor Rodney Sinclair will discuss his experience and thoughts about biosimilar medicines in the dermatological space. Welcome, Professor Sinclair. And thank you for participating in GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast. Firstly, when did you first use a biosimilar medicine? In about 2012, we were approached by one of the biosimilar manufacturers to do a a phase three study with their medication. And we've now done a number of phase three trials with, uh, with biosimilars. Have you noticed any differences in outcomes between the biosimilar and the reference product? So the way in which I've had exposure to the biosimilars has been in a clinical trial situation. And so that's a a double-blinded scenario where we don't actually know whether the patients are receiving the reference medication or the biosimilar medication. And at the end of the day, we saw response rates of around about uh, 50-60% in both groups that seem similar. Now, what we don't know is whether you can take a patient on the reference biologic and switch them to the biosimilar and they will achieve the same result. So we don't actually know on an individual patient whether they're gonna achieve the same result when they switch from one to the other. So we don't know about the interchangeability, but we know in a patient cohort, in a patient grouping, that you'd expect a similar proportion of patients to respond to the biosimilar as would to the the reference biologic medication. Can you outline the differences in the clinical trial programs between the reference and the biosimilar medicine? So the treatment program to get a new biologic to market can cost anywhere between $500 million and $2 billion. And it will involve testing of usually anywhere between about 2,000 and 5,000 patients. Now to do a biosimilar uh, series of clinical trials, that process is greatly truncated. So you would still need to do phase one clinical trials to show that it, the, the, the molecule works and that it uh, is safe to use in humans. And that's normally a smallish trial of around about 30 to 60 patients. And then once that's done, then you need to do a phase three trial, just a single phase three trial, powered for non-inferiority. And that would usually require around about 200 to 300 participants. And so the cost of bringing a biosimilar to market would be probably less than 300 to $400 million. So nothing like the, the $2 billion that may be required to bring a new biologic to market, but still not insignificant. And the quality and the rigor of the testing still has to, um, still has to um, hit the, the benchmarks required by the TGA. Uh, for for registration. What concerns have you encountered with biosimilar medicines? I think we have the same concern with all biologics, that there will be some side effect that we weren't aware of previously that suddenly becomes apparent after prolonged usage. And I think what we're finding is that each year that goes by, we're getting a higher level of comfort with the use of these agents because these side effects are not emerging. Now, the other thing that's giving us comfort is that as these new biologics were introduced, registries were also introduced. And so the the monitoring for side effects with these class of agents is much greater than the monitoring of side effects with any other medication. So we have a very high level of scrutiny going on. There's a lot of post-marketing monitoring going on. There's disease registries with pretty much the use of all of these agents. And so no one will give you a guarantee forever, but as each year goes by and these side effects are not emerging, then I think we're feeling more and more confident. How would you describe what a biosimilar medicine is to your patient? 
How do we describe a biosimilar to a patient? Well, biosimilars are biological medications that target the same molecule as the reference medication and should have similar effect and side effects as the reference medication. However, you can't always be certain because these are not uh, simple tablets where you can actually manufacture a generic in the laboratory and it will be absolutely equivalent. These are biologically made um, antibodies. And so they're usually made in large vats using um, various fungi or bacteria to actually manufacture the, the organism. And so there's often a little bit of biological difference. So what they look for when they manufacture a, a biosimilar is that it's targeting the same molecule and that it's achieving similar binding to that molecule and similar effect to the parent molecule. What information do you give a patient when you prescribe a biosimilar product? How the doctor presents those options to the patients are going to be really important and I think the doctor needs to be fully cognizant of what they're actually uh, asking of the patient to do, what they're expecting in the outcome. And I think you'll find that, that many patients will be quite receptive to the idea uh, because they realise that they're actually on a good wicket. They're actually getting really, you know, 21st century treatments, highly effective treatments for a disease that otherwise was largely, often was largely untreatable, and they're getting a great response. And I think if patients uh, have the option of switching back, if it's not achieving their response rate, uh, that'll probably give them some comfort as well. If they don't have the option, then I think it's really going to be a case of try it, see how you go. And, uh, and I think it would be reasonable to expect that the biosimilars are going to be achieving the same sort of response rates with, uh, with the same levels of safety. So what is the future role of biosimilar medicines in dermatology? This is really an interesting question is where will we be in 10 years time? Now, what's been happening in psoriasis is that every two or three years, a new biologic agent is coming out that is substantially better than the ones that have been beforehand. And they tend to be better in terms of the proportion of patients who will achieve um, a, a satisfactory response in their psoriasis. And so, for example, when Etanercept first came out, about 30% of patients were achieving a 75% improvement in their psoriasis. Now with the third and fourth generation biologics, about 90% of patients are achieving a 90% improvement in their response. And the, and the benchmark for what's a satisfactory response has shifted from a 75% improvement to a 90% improvement, now to 100% improvement. And now what patients and doctors are striving for is complete clearance of the disease. And so as these new agents become available, um, then I think people will tend to prescribe the newer agents. But what we're going to see over the next few years is that these third um, and fourth generation biologics are going to reach the end of their patent life and we'll start to see biosimilars for these highly effective medications. And once that comes in, then we're going to start seeing uh, price pressure on the manufacturers of the original biologic agent to reduce their price and we'll also see biosimilars coming in at a lower price. And what that's going to mean is that patients with psoriasis will still be able to achieve that superb clinical response with that very high requirement for safety, but we're also going to be able to start treating people with other dermatological diseases, things like atopic dermatitis, um, pemphigus vulgaris, um, alopecia areata, and perhaps even vitiligo, urticaria, um, systemic lupus. There's a whole range of biologics under development there's a whole lot of diseases for which there haven't really been satisfactory treatments. And you know, think back prior to 2000, how we managed psoriasis. 
then compared to how we manage psoriasis now. We're still very much in the dark ages in many of these other dermatological diseases. The innovation is coming through, these treatments are coming through. We need to actually create some space in the PBS budget so that we can start to embrace the technology so that our eczema patients can start to look forward to the same sort of benefits as our psoriasis patients have been achieving over the last 18 to 20 years. What would you say to your colleagues who have not yet used a biosimilar medicine? The key thing is for dermatologists not to be frightened of them, to have an expectation that they should be achieving similar results, to expect that there will be some patient-to-patient -patient variation, but there's always the opportunity to swap people back. I think one of the things that will be interesting is that when we see tachyphylaxis in patients who've been on biologics for a long time, uh, sometimes that's due to the development of antibodies, particularly with the, the non-fully humanised biologic um, molecules. And if you change to a biosimilar, then I would imagine that the immunity against the biosimilar may be different, and you may actually start to unwind some of that tachyphylaxis. So that'll be an interesting observation to look out for. I think the key thing is, when these become available, there will be incentives that the government puts in place, usually administrative incentives for you, uh, to make it a little bit easier to prescribe. I think the key thing is don't be frightened of it, give it a go, see how you go, and if it's not meeting your expectations, then you do have the opportunity to switch patients back again with, uh, without any detriment uh, to their treatment. Thank you, Professor Rodney Sinclair, for joining us. We appreciate your time. For those listening online, the next podcast in our series by GBMA Education will be with Professor Stephen Clark, who will share his knowledge and experience with the regulation and approval of biosimilar medicines in Australia. If you'd like to know more about biosimilar medicines in Australia, please visit the Biosimilar Hub at www.biosimilarhub.com.au.